Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Talking Wealth, the show where the wealth within team are on hand to teach you how to become a more confident, competent, and more importantly, profitable trader or investor. Wealth Within was voted number three for stock market podcast globally in 2018, so I hope you enjoy listening. This episode is a recording of our live YouTube weekly stock market show. Every Tuesday night, Dale and Janine stream live on YouTube from 7 to 8pm to answer your most burning questions, as well as analyse stock for our viewers. To watch the show, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the stock market show under the Learning Centre. As a global leader in stock market education, you can fast track your journey towards financial freedom by studying with Wealth Within. Please note that the information in this podcast should not be considered personal financial advice. Good evening and welcome to Wealth Within Live, the Australian stock market show where you ask the questions and we give you the answers about all things investing and trading. Now, we received a lot of positive feedback on last week's show with many of you actually telling us you really did not appreciate how much your lack of education on the market was costing you in lost time and money. Now, that reminded me of a quote from one of my favorite authors, a gentleman called Zig Ziglar, who I was lucky enough to meet in person once uh, about 20 years ago. And he actually said, if you're not willing to learn, no one can help you. But if you are willing to learn, then no one can stop you. Now, again, we put together an information pack show for you, and given it's the third Tuesday in the month, that means we'll be giving you our thoughts on world markets. Now, right now, I don't think there's much better time to do that. As always, we'll also answer your questions and look at the stocks you're interested in, give your expert opinion, and a whole lot more. Hello, I'm Dale Gillam, Chief Analyst here at Wealth Within, and joining me tonight is Janine Cox, our Senior Analyst, and we're Australia's most trusted stock market educators. Hey Dale, how are you going? You had a big day today, didn't you? I've had an awesome week and it's only Tuesday. Oh, good start to the week. It's always fun. <laughs> yeah, I had a week off. Well, not a week, a weekend off. I took a weekend off. I went down to Geelong, my hometown. Lovely. And what yeah. did you do? I caught up with some friends, some old friends and old in age and old in long time. <laughs> so it's, uh, and it's always good to do that. To it's have important a nice to have friends and to catch up with them, isn't it? Yeah, it's really good because I don't, they just know who I am, you know, in terms of, you know, the daggy old Dale, basically. <laughs> that sort of stuff. But yeah, so it was good. So, so you don't have to impress anyone, is that what you're saying? Uh, no, I don't have did to. Did you wear shorts? I did wear shorts, actually. Really? Yeah, I did wear shorts. How's that? <laughs> what are you saying? I got no, don't I'd have good legs. I hate to see his legs at the moment. <laughs> I won a sexy knees competition when oh, I... Oh, are you kidding me? I did. Oh, I, geez, I, I, I've I, heard it all now. Yeah, I did. I did. It was at college. I, I won a sexy knees competition and that's... Are they knobbly knees or...? No, they weren't. <laughs> I think we better move on. <laughs> Get on with it. Okay, last week we had quite a few new people on the show. And if this is your first time, thanks for joining us. Um, don't take offence by anything we've just said. If you have a burning question for us, on the right of the screen is a chat box. So put your questions there. Moving on, it is the third Tuesday of the month, as Dale said. That means we're going to have a good look at world markets. So let's get into that now. Okay, on the screen there, you can see I've got the S&P 500. Now, looking at the left-hand side of the screen, there are a number of indices. Now, we won't um, index We won't go go through all of them, but I just had a look at the, the top part of the list and what's performed most. So this is the year, year to date. Um, interesting that um, the New Zealand index, the top 50 index, is up 25%. The NASDAQ uh, in the US, 2389 
Um, the Shanghai Composite, 20.6, and the CAC index is 19.3. Now, Australia is not far behind at 18.36, um, the All Ordinaries Index down there. Looking at the bottom of the list is really interesting as well. Uh, we've got, to, just to mention, one Jakarta SE um, Right at the bottom, minus 7.8. Some of those Asian markets can be quite volatile. Look at the Seoul Composite down there. The, the Hang Seng's near the bottom. Um, interesting mix there we've got. And looking at the American market, where are we in there? Uh, we've got the um, the Dow, which I can't see. There it is um, at 14.8. So we're actually leading the Dow at the moment, Dow. Um, and looking at the S&P, which is 500 on the right-hand side of your screen, you can see there that... The, the market has actually been moving sideways. Um, that this is the monthly chart for anyone who's just joined in. We, we often look at the monthly chart um, and show you the monthly chart because when we're doing our analysis, this is where we're focusing most of our efforts to determine a forecast for uh, the markets. So looking at the FTSE, I'm just going to flick through there, the UK market's really been volatile with everything that's been going on with Brexit. And we can see there it really hasn't moved on much over the past few years. So nothing much exciting to talk about there. And in fact, a little bit bearish over the past couple of months. Um, at the moment, it's until it moves back above last month's bar, then we, we don't know. It's got no direction. It's just sideways. So the Hang Seng, looking at the bigger picture, uh, also bearish. Now, I'll just remove this uh, line. It's just showing the angle of the trend overall. But looking at the, the recent high here in April 2019, since then, this market has really been quite bearish and pulled back quite strongly. Now, clearly, it's threatening this low here in October 2018, which is a real concern for this market. So if it takes out that low, um, then it's into a more significant decline. But at the moment, um, it's just sideways. So we're just waiting to see this bottom, this test in August 2019. We're just waiting to see whether it can move off from there. So it's the Hang Seng, but not looking great, Dale, there. Mm. And then the Shanghai Comp, um, another, the Asian markets just move over to the monthly chart. And we can see, you know, very patchy um, trading patchy. And, and sideways um, as well there. But it's started to move up a little bit. So it's, it is starting to look a little bit better. Um, we've got the Straits Times Industrial Index, the monthly chart. So you can see sideways there. It still hasn't moved on and, and is looking quite bearish as well. Um, mm. The DAX is a positive light across world markets at the moment. So it's actually holding up quite well. It's, it really needs to break and clear this prior all-time high, April 2015. See, as we know that prior highs, um, now I'm showing a bit of analysis on them. I'm just going to delete that off the screen. But prior highs on the market can often make meet um, be or represent resistance for future moves. So this is what's happening right now with um, the DAX in Germany. We can see there it's trying to push through all of that. And it's looking quite good at the moment. Um, the Dow Jones Industrial is really pushing to try to get back above that um, all-time high. We can see all these tops here. So we've got the, the top in January 2018. October 2018, and this is the weekly chart. I'll just go back to the monthly in a minute. And we've got the high um, in April 2019. Again, it hit around these levels in July and again in September. So you'd think that this market is going to eventually push through, mm. given the number of times it's actually tried to, and it hasn't fallen away. So I actually think that's a positive for the US market. I think it's trying to squeeze to the top. Well, this is where the charts don't lie as opposed to the media, mm. you know, and 
you know, we've had a lot of people saying that um, with the chart, you're looking at, like, we've had comments that Germany's a basket case, you know, because mm. of what's going on and, you know, they're not that they've they're not manufacturing electric cars like Tesla mm-hmm. and things like that, so they're yeah. trying to play catch-up. And But we're seeing Germany, like the DAX, as you said, it's looking quite good. Mm-hmm. It's not showing signs of that sort of stuff. The Dow's only gone up 2.5% mm. in nearly two years. Now, how does that market crash when it's only gone up 2.5%? Normally, crashes are preceded by rampant speculation. They always are. Mm. So how are we And look at that chart. There's no rampant speculation there. No, there's not. This is what they were saying about our market for, you know, many Mm. months, you know, that we were going to have a crash post the the GFC. And and I said, well, there's no evidence of that. And we've already had one of the biggest corrections in, Mm. what was it, 40 years or something. So therefore... Yeah. So therefore, why would we expect it to have another crash? And if it does have a, a, cra- a pullback, it's going to be a correction yeah. rather than a crash. Yeah, I talked a little bit about that with Jim Beach on my Monday US market interview, which went up this morning, sometime this morning. Yeah. So if you haven't seen that, I talked a little bit about it with Jim. But I was doing some going through some of our old stuff, our old presentations from like... 10 and 12 years ago today. Okay, and you, was, and you remember we did one, there was a newspaper article where they, they said, you know, the market meltdown, oh, yes. blah, 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 blah. And then we had... And then you was, looked at the chart. and Yeah, and then mm. there was an article of David Potts next to it, who's a really lovely journalist who we Jenny and I used to deal with all the time. But And then his comments, and then you look at the chart, and there was completely different things happening on the chart. Mm. But it was like the world was falling apart, and yet the market went up. And that was mm. preceding before the biggest bull run we'd ever had. Yeah, on our marketplace. Well, remember back here. Mm. I mean, back here, the the, mm. the world was falling apart, and the mm. the U.S. market was going to capitulate. Yeah. Um, and even here in 2011, the same thing happened, mm. and yet look what happened to the U.S. market after that period. Yeah, that's what I was saying to Bill. Uh, so Bill, Jim. That's yesterday. actually the best time when they're all talking mm. about these things. It's actually the best time to be mm. selectively picking good quality stocks. Yeah, uh, and that's that's what I was saying to Jim. I said, if everybody's talking about the market crashing, then everybody that was worried about the market crashing would either have their money out of it already mm. or not going into it. So therefore, the only people who are in it are the ones that don't think it's going to crash. So how mm. can it crash? So it's sort of like that. And, and he sort of went, oh, that makes sense, doesn't it? It does make it, sense. It's just it's really makes sense. It. But let's keep moving on because have we finished with the market yet or you got uh, another look, thing to say? That's pretty much it unless you want to go back and have another look at this. I thought maybe just have a look what's happening mm. in the month. So if we look at the past month here, um, mm. we look across all the indices here, you can see that down at the bottom, the FTSE is actually at the bottom now. Yep. So it's interesting to have a look. Remember the chart of the FTSE that I just talked about. Mm. And if you're having a look at the top of the chart, we've actually got the Asian market sitting there at the top, whereas we, they're at the bottom for the year. And we're going we're more aligned with some of these Asian markets mm. than what so we are. So they're starting to move. Mm. Is, and, you know, but is that really short to, a short-term move? We don't know yet because it's early days, isn't it? Yeah, quite possibly. It is early days. But at the end of the day, these figures aren't telling me that the markets are seriously in danger of crashing mm. you know because we'd be seeing different uh, different figures on that sort of stuff and different patterns well, on the chart. you don't get you don't get these higher bottoms so for instance no. we go back to the down and mm. I'd look at the monthly chart that's the yearly one it's a mm. bit of a jumble there but I'll just expand that out so everyone can see it well you don't get these higher lows if that was the case no you know you'd be starting to get more of this sort of thing with these mm. massive swings and reversals happening and we're mm. not seeing that now we, i think that this has flushed out a lot of that this big pullback we had now one things i want to do and i'm not going to do it tonight i know i did mention it to you that i want to go and look at history because mm. we've got data back on our market to 1875 and i wanted to show people the realities because all too often uh, like i was saying on 
um, I think it was on my podcast or whether it was on my market report yesterday. I do so many recordings, I can't remember <laughs> what I've said when. But I was saying a lot of people run around with their face pressed up against the wall. and Looking at the short term. They're looking at the short term because we mm. see the news every morning. The Dow's gone up, the Dow's gone down, the US dollar's up, the US dollar's down. This is what's going on today. This is what happened today. Yeah. But that doesn't give you a picture of where we're going. It just says that's what happened today. Well, I was talking to someone mm. who's done our course recently, mm. and they said that you know they used to listen to that information, and now mm. when they hear it, they just laugh. I just laugh. Mm. It's it's like what we did. We started reading the the Fin Review years ago because you can actually connect the dots with what some of the people are putting in into mm. um, magazines and and newspapers. Doesn't matter what they are, mm. and actually match that up with what's happening on the chart, mm. so that when the stock does turn down, you think, oh well, I knew that there was going to be a pullback because the analysis told me so, but I just didn't know what it, exactly yeah, what it was going yeah, to be. Yeah, the fundamentals mm. follow what's happening on the chart. The chart's telling you early and then what happens in the media or the fundamentals come out later mm. and then can validate what you already knew months or, or even sometimes years in advance. And I know that's hard for a lot of people to understand and especially fundamental analysts, the people that read all the reports and read all the things about EPS and dividend yields and debt to equity ratios and all that sort of stuff. And they go, but how does that work? You don't really need to understand how it works. You just need to know it does actually work. So the charts will actually tell you in advance what's going on. Mm. And, and the more you watch what Janine and I are doing, the more you'll get convinced that the charts lead what's going on, not the fundamentals and not the economy. The, the charts are the leading indicator of what's happening. But I think we need to get into our emails now if you've finished. Or do you I want to keep should... going on? No, no, go for it. Okay. Let's, let's continue. <laughs> so let's get into the emails. And the first one we've got is from Anthony who said, uh, I was hoping both of you could look at TCL for me. So Jenny's going to bring that up. Um, I currently own the stock and bought it back when it was $11. So it's had a good run for me. However, recently it has had a bit of a pullback and on the weekly chart heating sideways and on the monthly chart starting to see more red. He says, I'm tempted to take profits, but from your experience, what would your exit rule be for this stock as it currently stands? Now, many thanks and keep up the bloody awesome work helping those wanting to make a difference with their finances. So that's a nice comment, isn't it? I believe Anthony's just started our trading mentor course today, I think. Congratulations, Anthony. I think it was Anthony. So if it wasn't Anthony... Well, if he hasn't, he will now. He will now. <laughs> Okay, so we've got Transurban there on the screen for you. And looking at the monthly chart, you can see there a really nice trend that's happened over the last decade. Beautiful. And it has been a good stock, And except for this sideways move here. So it proves that there are stocks that are just not going to perform and it didn't do, you know, do so for a period of about three years. But finally, the last, um, what, 12 months, it's taken off again. We could be seeing a bit of a slowdown here and, and potentially a pullback to test um, those prior highs. But, but if we see... Uh, this stock move on in uh, November, December, then it could be breaking through to a new all-time high very soon. So that's Transurban. like the look of it on the monthly chart. So moving to more, more shorter-term um, activity, we can see there all the opens and closes are getting really close together. There's a lot of indecision about this. Obviously, people are not wanting to sell off the stock. That initial pullback that happened was more market um, than anything else, what was happening with the market. And then a sideways move is unfolding. So even if it does fall away a bit, I'd still be expecting, Dale, to see this stock kick up to around the 1560 mark to test those little prior highs there. And then um, then we'll know whether it's going to continue on or not. Um, but if it tr does um, close any week below 
Well, what have we got here? Say about 1450. 1450 yeah. uh, then we know that it's heading lower down and needs a bit more of an adjustment before the next move up. But long term, I still like it. Yeah, I mean, obviously, where it is right now, it's it's come back again. So I do like this stock's a great stock long term. So you know, to me, I think yeah, we've got a good stock. Make sure you just set a stop loss underneath it because it's not really looking that bearish, is it? Yeah, really? well, it depends on what you're mm. risking, really, doesn't it? I mean, he's held yeah. it for a long time, so he's got a lot of profit sitting in mm. in so there you want on to the trade. That, but you don't want to jump too early because mm. this could just be stocks move up and then down and then move up and then down. That's what happens. Markets do the same thing, or they move down and back up again and down and back up again. Yeah, so I mean the only the only challenge you have mm. here is okay, it's triggered mm. a lot of rules to get out. Oh yeah, already um, so far. That was months ago. Yeah, so this is week week. Sorry, oh, sorry. Um, I just yeah. changed it on you. Look, mm. then the monthly chart. If we yeah. look at the monthly chart, you can wrong. see there we don't have an exit rule. So no. if you, this is where the difference is, you can create strategies for much longer term trading and mm. strategies for more short to medium term trading. Uh, to suit whatever it is your portfolio goals are. But that's a good point. There's so many people, mm. and we see it every week on the on the chat forum and the questions people are asking and also on the comments with the show, is people mix all of that up. They mix mm. short-term, medium-term, long-term. In the one portfolio, all in it's the a one jumbled portfolio mess. And I'll throw no in a few specky stocks to suit. You yeah, know, I'll throw Just because in. I heard this report this broker was saying, and, I'll put, and that just totally destroys what you're trying to yeah, do. Yeah, I heard this kid on a skateboard with a green hat and, and a blue suit telling me how to buy this stock. And then some buy and hold and yeah. some I'm going to trade. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just a hodgepodge sometimes, yeah. isn't it? And that's what we talked about last mm. week with the market, or sorry, with most people not understanding the market. It costs them a lot of money. So, you know, really you've got to have a purpose for your stock, your portfolio. But we'll All talk right. a little bit more about that later, but it's next question, yeah? Okay, the next one's from Dale. Thanks, Dale. Thanks, did you write an email to I yourself? did. I, I, I changed my name. Sorry. I <laughs> Morning, Dale and Janine. Could you please have a look at Blue Scope Steel? What a good stock to choose. Mm. I bought into this last week at 11.95. I went through each sector to find which ones have been down for the month and noticed the material sector had been down over the month period. Okay, um, then um, this is what he's continued with. Then seen that BSL was doing well and going up, unlike the rest of the sector, and decided to buy it. Had a four-week period of uptrends in mid to late August on the weekly chart, then three weeks of down to test the low that occurred in August. Plus, they're doing a share buyback just to make it more complex. Um, I feel this may be a start of an upwards trends for this stock. Any thoughts? Um, this is a really Jeez. interesting one, isn't that it? That was BSL? a mishmash of stuff, isn't it? It's <laughs> probably not a well-thought-out strategy, Dale, and it's not in the in the actual flavour of having somebody that called Dale. Um, you haven't got a brother? I haven't got a Dale. brother, no. It's, okay. Four weeks doesn't make an uptrend, matey. It really doesn't make an uptrend. So I don't like your rules, um, but I like that you went through the sectors yeah. and you pick ones that were falling and you were looking for ones that are rising. So I love that. But all of that was wishy-washy rules, so that's not what we work on. But let's have a look at the stock. All right. Now, looking at the monthly chart, I think we've talked about this one mm. a few weeks ago. Um, it's sideways. Yeah. And right now, the month is down. Last month, it. it started to... It, well, it had started to move up. In mm. fairness to Dale, it was moving up and started to look good. Mm. But notice how, you know, this was a really volatile time. It was. It didn't know where it was going. No, it's really So choppy. if you're looking at the weekly chart on the right, it traded down one week up, then down, big swing to close back up three weeks up and then it started moving down again so mm. it's not there's no clear direction even the period before that it's more or less that part of that sideways yeah. move so is there a buy signal there for you so it depends when he was looking at it but well, right he's now been looking no. at it in august so that was only yeah well, see august it looked better so in august mm. I, I could see what he was saying because mm. there was actually 
um, you know, a nice move up there mm. at the end of July, but then it reversed down again. See, mm. and some people try to jump in as soon as they see it's getting cheaper. They think they say, Let's cheaper. Get into it. I'll buy it cheaper. I'm going to yeah, say yeah. that with emphasis. <laughs> um, yeah, but in actual fact, that was actually quite a bearish mm. bar on the chart, short-term bearish. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah, it yeah, started yeah. to move down, took out this low, and that was a signal that, hey, something's not right no, here. It's not right, yeah. Um, it's not trending properly. So look, at the moment, if you, you know, I'm not, not specifically recommending anything to you personally, Dale, but just comments on the chart is more or less that, one, I wouldn't be buying it now if, mm -hmm. um, if this was on the watch list, and two, mm -hmm. if I owned it, I would be setting a, a really nice, um, you know, logical stop and what's stop the intent loss too it. is it a short medium or long term trade again like long term we could probably mm. say we like this stock long term long term we we like mm. it as a stock to have on the watch list yeah. but you know it's like people mm. have two different sides on to your face one side of your face is actually different to the other side of your mm. face now if is I it? draw yeah, do you so want I can to, I can see a new Janine flag could, on the other if side I, if you'll let you me get... I could draw a line <laughs> down and show you um, looking at the crosshairs here mm -hmm. I just put that on the stock and you can see here that one side of blue scope in the run up to the high it looks great. really bullish and great mm. now as soon as I look from July the um, 2018 you can see a totally different picture a different mm. stock all of a sudden something's changed about the whole environment mm. for BSL but really we know it's just a phase that the stock's going through it's part of its cycle and then the next cycle will continue. But what you don't know at this point, and it's always a question mark when a stock's in this limbo mm. land, it can always go lower. And that's the risk, really, with mm. Bluescope at the moment. Yeah, it is. It is. So be careful, matey. Mm. Um, the next one's from Andrew, who wrote... He actually actually wrote me a longer email. However, I'm not really going to share all of it with you because there's some personal stuff in there. But what I will share with you is what he wanted to talk about on a stock. And he asks about Rio. So we're going to talk a bit about Rio. I think we brought that up last week, didn't we, for a little bit? I can't um, remember. I'm not sure. Oh, I can't remember. But anyway, Andrew said, I've drawn an uptrend line from Rio's close or low close on the January 16, 2016 to the high higher low close on November 2018, which touches the bottom of August 2019. That's pretty technical. Basically, Andrew's read my book and he's trying to draw trend lines. Um, so I've drawn an incomplete downtrend line from the high in June 2019 to September 2019. I'm waiting to see one lower high to confirm the downtrend, ideally below the uptrend line. Um, then one high high as a buy signal for 15% of my self-managed super fund portfolio. So position sizing is a bit too high, matey. Um, I'm, am I on the right track? 8 to 12%, that's what you're looking for with position sizing. So that's what I would be doing. I wouldn't be putting 15% into any stock. Um, but you could, based on a super fund portfolio, because you're looking at 12 positions from my book. If uh, you're following the, the book. If you're following my book, that is, of course. So if you're not following my book, you can go up to 15%, and that's not an issue. So, um, But I'll leave that up to you. But let's have a quick look at um, yeah. the stock. Okay, so Rio, so Rio on the left-hand side of the chart, monthly chart, um, we always split our charts so we can see both. But for now, I'm just going to show you the monthly chart and nice trend on Rio. Um, if we're, he's probably looking at the weekly chart, but notice how the stock looks particularly bearish or has looked particularly bearish recently. These bars up here are all indicating that there was going to be a pullback. So if you know if you if you do the study and you understand how stocks reverse and the things to look for on the monthly and weekly chart, then you'll know in advance that, that it's more likely to turn down. So looking at um, the weekly chart, which is where you're talking, I'd say, yes, there would have been a, an uptrend line underneath all of these uh, lows here and the stock has provided an exit a long time ago. And looking at the, the downward move there, um, 
we've got, you know, potential. Yeah, we do have a downtrend line in there. But the challenge for the stock now is it's going sideways, even though it is above that line. Just remember the picture on the monthly chart and where it's sitting. And now it's tr it's trying to make that um, decision or the, the investors are trying to push it higher, but the traders are selling it off. So it's still sideways. So at the moment, I don't think that there's a great deal of conviction behind Rio. Um, what are your thoughts there? Because I don't want to go into trend lines too much because it's like, it's like if you know if you were uh, doing our trend line mm. in module three and you were studying that and you emailed yeah, yeah the diploma thanks mm. and you emailed in and were asking us these questions. It's really easy to clarify and help you get onto the right track because that's that's what we do every week. We'll, we'll get emails whether it's from students who are going mm. through the course. This is the assessors will get emails. And we also, Dale and I also get emails from people who are using our support service just to round out their experience and make sure that when they're applying their analysis that they're mm. getting it right. So, you know, that's really easy for us to help you in that regard because you're coming from a point of knowing, you know, the rules and you're knowing sufficient information. But for me to try to help you right now on this forum with applying the trend lines, it's not... It's quite hard. It's, it's not easy to do because I can't put things in context for well, you. Well, it's only one rule. Yeah, in the I book, mean, there's only one rule for trend lines. So whereas mm. we teach five in our courses and you need to understand all the, the backstory, so to speak. So you need to understand a whole range of things and it's like it's putting things, your ducks in order. Mm. So just collecting, you know, drawing a line across three peaks or three troughs is one of the things more down the line than the other uh, others, but right now I put um, a, I put mm. if, you know I put a, a, a trend line on the chart for you mm. just to show whoever's watching that this is the sort of thing mm. that we're talking about because clearly mm. you can see the bouncing ball as it was mm. moving up the rise was happening the bouncing ball is going up mm. and up the troughs are getting higher so you can see that there but then it's about understanding the yeah. context of when do I draw it and when do I not draw it when's it valid when it's not valid yeah. Because um, otherwise you could be exiting when you really don't have a valid trend line in place and that's mm. the risk with it, especially if the stock actually works brilliantly on trend yeah. lines. Oh, it does. It does. This one works okay on trend lines. So, you know, I think you're doing okay. You've got a reasonable understanding based He's on got a rule. Question. He's got a decent rule mm. to use. You see, mm. that's the one thing. Is, mm. And just, just looking at that high on Rio, mm. just to see whether that high was, it's actually just a fraction lower, lower. there. Mm. So, you know, the, the, there's an opportunity to draw um, another trend line mm. down there. Okay. But um, according to my um, picture, it actually isn't, is only just above it. There's no trend yeah. line entry there. Yeah. Mm. So let's have a look at the, um, get into some of the chat, okay? Because I think that's oh, yeah. all the emails that we've had for Great, tonight, let's so do far. that. We've got lots of And the of chat's questions. gone berserk. It really, really has. We've got um, Vinet ask about, he said, hi, uh, the stock name CSL was number two on the ASX, which is already at 248. Um, I did ask him, are you making a statement or asking a question? He just said, I asked a question, but that's not a question. Um, like, But we'll have a look at CSL. But he's, uh, he's saying, my second question is, as am I able to learn to get out at, is I am able to learn to get out of the stock if it's 5% less? What I want to learn is at what percentage should I book my profit? I also, also shall I sell all or a few stocks only? So there's like three questions within all of that. Now, so, you know, if we go and have a quick look at CSL, um, but basically I'm not sure why you want to get out of a stock if it falls, I believe you're saying falls 5%. Based on a percentage. Based on a percentage because 5% is too tight and it's way too tight for CSL um, way from that point. Depending on how people mm. trade. So, I mean, mm. if you were trading really, really short term and it was 
and it was someone who's an experienced trader trading leveraged positions, then it but may... That, but that's it, a whole different it's story. It's a different ball game. But if you're trading more medium short term or short mm. to medium term mm. um, and you're trying to make a capital return out of this, then it's mm. not... Um, a stop well, loss is going to work of the for people you. watching wouldn't be able to do that. Yeah, look, I spoke to a guy years ago. He actually turned mm. up to one of our session, mm. a live session, and he said mm. to me he was trading and setting his stop losses at, at a percentage. And mm. then I said to him, "You're going to be making the broker a lot of money." money. Mm. Yeah, I had that at a, at a Perth Expo one day. Somebody was saying to me he was day trading, and I said, "What are you day trading?" He said, "Boot cheap stocks." I, I wouldn't be surprised if brokers are telling them to do some of these things. Oh, I don't know. But he said he was setting his stop loss around 5%. So I said, you're not making any money. He said, mm. how do you know? I said, well, you can't day trade blue chip stocks. He was trading them on fundamentals and you can't trade them short term on a 5% stop loss. So it just mm. doesn't make sense. None of that made sense to me. Um, and he walked away in a half. And then his wife called, came over to me and she said, good on you, Dale. You told him the right thing. Oh, fantastic. Because um, he's, he's seriously doing the wrong things. But you can't mm. do that. This is bullish. It's going up. It's simple as that. Don't you don't need to take profits at a certain point. You trade what we talk about golden rules of trading is let profits run, cut losses short. Only ever exit when the stock tells you it's going down, especially a CSL. Don't just sell it because you think it's gone enough. Um, and for me to teach you to where you might be looking for it to turn around. That's not something we can do on And it's on all Facebook about risk, which is what tonight's about as well, isn't tonight's it? Tonight's about risk. So let's have a look yep. at another CSL question. CSL, I'd say, is pretty low risk at the moment. Yeah, so um, that was that one. So yep. the next one is we've got... Um, you got APT? Um, APT, yeah, sorry. Have we got APT, have we? Is that another one? Yeah, it is. Um, APT Adrian. and then... Um, yep, we're looking at the monthly chart of APT. So here we go. We, I mean, this is doing brilliantly well. Now, it's more a question of um, if you've got it, then you'd be holding it. If you um, don't have it, then you wouldn't be entering it in my book. Uh, looking at the stock, it's actually trading up around $37. We could, it could be slowing down a little bit. Mm. Notice how the bars are not really moving on. It's really you know, struggling to push mm. on, but you'd expect that to be the case because it accelerated so quickly in August. So now it's just actually... Uh, times catching up with it, which means it's, the price is not going to move on as fast. Yeah, this one's from Matthew. Yeah, so look, Matthew, thanks for that. And I think it's a good stock. Uh, just to say to you, whatever your um, trailing stop loss is, it's going to be a challenge for you mm. to to get that trailing stop loss on there because this could be quite a volatile stock. But I'd make sure I, I would be really looking for one. The trend line's probably going to be too flat and mm. too far away from the price section at this point in time. You may be able to get a steeper one at some point, but I would be looking for a different set of rules yeah, on that. I think that. I would too. Yeah. yeah, I'd be looking for a different, different set of rules myself as well. But he actually owns it at the moment, which is nice. Yeah, So lovely. just make sure you set an exit strategy. And um, none? We've got none as well. Yeah, he also owns NAN. So just give that one really quickly so yeah, we can Yeah, Nanosonics is also mm. looking bullish. Really nice little consolidation we can see there. These lows here give you an opportunity to set uh, stop losses. Again, this pulled up quite strongly in August, so around the same time. So that would have made your portfolio look nice. Um, and now it's actually looking like it's going to try to push through that high. So at this point, I wouldn't be, um, if it was, I was holding this stock, I wouldn't be selling it. No. I'd be holding it for now and setting yeah, a good. stop loss underneath it. So, okay. um, but right now, um, I wouldn't be buying it either. No. Um, it's just had a pullback and hasn't proved that it's going or confirmed that it's right. going to continue I've got higher. a good question for you. Great. This What's one's for, from Adrian. He said, hey, guys, just wondering if you could please give me some general tips about how to analyse company reports and whether it's important to see how the market reacts to such news. Thanks in advance. <laughs> you want to get your Why economic are you laughing? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, company reports. Janine, I don't actually read them. 
um, which might sound strange well, to a lot of people. It's we, not entirely true. Well, it's not. Yeah, we do. We read the summaries. <laughs> I do. Summaries. I do look through, but you know, I just look through mm. more to see. Well, what are they? You know, what are they up to? What's their yeah. main agenda at the moment? Yeah, company <laughs> reports are pretty much even a mysterious world for highly trained accountants and financial analysts. So, uh, and generally, what you're seeing there is not necessarily going to help you a lot. And obviously. The chat will tell you everything you need to know. And, and I, I met one guy one day and he was he, he's managing like a million dollars. And I said, how do you do that? And he goes, oh, I do all the fundamentals. And I said, how much time do you spend doing that? And he goes, oh, it's a like lot. 30 hours a week. I read all the company reports and this mm. and that. And and then I started teaching him and he, he brought his whole analysis down to one to two hours a week wow. uh, because he threw all of that out because it really wasn't helping him. And mm. that's really what it's about is company reports are for the industry to really understand. And, and unless you're highly educated, you won't pick up a lot of the nuances in it. But really, the chart will tell you everything you need to know about what's going on. Look, I once met a fund manager mm. who looks after mm. smaller companies. So we invest in, in mm. the micro caps. Yep. And for him, it was important. That's different. Uh, it's a different story, Michael. isn't it? Mm. Um, because he was really wanting to know what the developments were going forward mm. with all with all the companies he was investing yeah, in. Yeah, you're probably doing a lot more work around that as well. Yeah, he had his own formula reports. and calculations that were specific mm. to the, the fund that he was um, investing yep. in. Mm. And he had rules around it as well. Um, mm. but just not technical analysis. All right. So that's great. So thanks very much, guys, for putting all those questions in. We do have a lot more, so let's keep moving on. We'll get to the, our main topic for tonight, and then we'll get back into the chat. So I'm looking uh, forward to oh, this. There's, there's a buckle load. There's some really good ones we're going to look at anyway. But uh, the topic for tonight is uh, that uh, we're going to talk about is the number one trading rule for creating a profitable stock portfolio. Now, whilst Janine and I have discussed strategies for creating a winning trading portfolio in past episodes, uh, this week we're really going to be explaining the rules for trading a profitable stock portfolio that will enable you to reduce your trading risk whilst improving your returns. Now, Dale, you know that I think this is one trading rule alone that determines the long-term success of most traders and how much profit they actually make. Well, yeah. I mean, for those of you who have been watching our shows for a while, you'll actually know we talk a lot about risk. Um, but looking at the feedback questions and statistics that we get from you each week, um, it's really, and from the ASX survey that we sort of mentioned last week, or the shareholder survey, it really is very clear that most of you do not really understand risk. What we know is that you believe that finding the right stocks or stocks um, companies or stocks will get you the best return. And whilst on the surface this sounds logical, this is just one part of a bigger process. Now the number one area you need to be concerned with as a trader is risk. And that means understanding what risk is and how to manage it. So tonight we're going to shed some light on this for you. Now, there are two components to what we will talk about tonight, and uh, with the first being what types of risk there are in the mm. marketplace, um, and secondly, how to manage that risk. So let's get stuck into it. Now, firstly, there are two types of risk, as I just mentioned, that you need to be aware of. They are systemic risk and specific risk. Now, systemic risk is the risk um, of uh, an industry or the economy or something collapsing. So it's, I always say it's like the risk of the system. Mm. So the system that you're uh, investing in. So the Australian Well, that's the economy. worst case scenario, isn't it? The collapse. Yeah. But it's the risk of anything because it could be that there's a political mm. decision that's made that, that affects yes. um, the, the market or the, the, um, the stocks that you're investing in. Mm. Um, or it could be that there's something that happens in world markets that has a flow on well, The GFC was a classic example of a systemic, mm. systemic risk melting down. So that was the the 
an industry or economy collapsing, mm. basically, because the industry in the US was the money industry, is mm-hmm. finance industry, it's the banks, because they were all over leveraged and all those junk bonds and junk loans and all that sort of stuff. So that's systemic risk. And, mm-hmm. and so that's really under, critical that you understand that systemic risk exists. Now, we're going to go into systemic risk a little bit more, but we've also got about specific risks. Yeah, that's stock-specific risk. So it's a risk related to the company, its activities, if something happens to the company. Um, you know, mining companies are a classic example mm. where something mm. goes wrong. That Maybe they're looking for oil and they don't find it. Maybe the mine floods. Um, then you've got the specific risk around the earnings, the future earnings of that company, whether it's short term or long, whether it affects their long term performance. That mm. specific risk is impacting on your portfolio. Now, depending on your exposure to that stock, would determine you know how much that yeah. risk is. For people investing in the property market, it's the specific risk is the actual it's house. It's huge because no? you know most people have got all their money in one house. One house. So you sp- if that house burns mm. down, it's gone. Especially if you're not insured. If you're not insured, and we've seen that in bushfires where people mm. have not had their house insured. And they well, lose people that live near coastal areas and they can't get insurance. And they can't. And that their risk, mm. their specific risk is, is huge, but they're not looking at that or they're not trying to, to protect that risk. And if you don't protect your risk, eventually you're going to get burnt. Mm. Now, here's the real critical information that most do not know or ignore, and that being how systemic risk is out of your control, or in other words, you can't reduce it or diversify it. Hence, this is why practicing buy and hold investing with large portfolios is unwise and delivers poor returns. So that now leaves us with specific risk, which can be reduced through diversification. Now, we find many traders do not follow proper rules around this area. uh, And this is a real major reason why many fail or get poor returns. Now, remember the portfolio reviews I did the other week? Was it yes. was your first week back? I actually did them. It was about three or four weeks ago, and every portfolio was not properly diversified for the specific risk. Some were only had one on. I remember I had one portfolio. I didn't even show people the one. Per, the person had one stock and mm. they had their money in one stock. Well, that's not really a portfolio. And that's not really a portfolio. The interesting thing is that um, one of our clients, mm-hmm. who actually became one of our biggest advocates, he actually in the GFC he was told to invest all of his money into Telstra. Mm-hmm. So he put all of his money into Telstra and the rest is history. If you look at a chart of Telstra, you know what happened to to that. But but that's actually what dro- drove him to come and see us. And he didn't even know how to use a computer at the time. I was having, when, when T2 floated, I was having lunch with a journalist on the Yarra River, a business journalist. And he owned his own home, borrowed all the money on his home, went to a margin lender, gave them that as security, borrowed as much on the margin lender to buy T2, and bought into T2 with everything he had. Specific mm. risk, very high. This is That's a business great, journalist. Yeah, and then T2, if you know T2, it went down for three weeks after mm. it floated. Now, every every centre was going down. It was costing him a fortune, and he was paying interest on all those loans. So then he jumped out because he had to, because he mm. was going to lose his house, and then T2 went up a bit. Mm-hmm. Went back into profit, and then eventually Telstra fell away. But uh, but that's specific risk it, at its worst. Well, look, um, there's another story where we were at a um, at a mm-hmm. convention, and there was a, a director of a company, and he'd mm-hmm. been speaking to to someone, one of our students, and the student came and talked to me and said, "Oh, this company's doing really well. This is what their forecasts are, and um, you know they're they're saying that the future mm-hmm. looks bright." And then he came and said to me, "Well." You know, I don't think that's the case. Looking at the charts, and we had a look at the charts, and the charts were showing mm. that was the opposite. Was the actually. opposite? 
Mm. Yeah. So when you're talking about specific risk, what we're talking about here is if you have all your money in one share, like Janine said a little bit earlier, if you own one home. Yeah, you're home, exposed. You may as well have your pants down. Sorry to be rude. But, um, you know, seriously, you've got to ask yourself, why would you do that? Mm. Because it's the biggest risk in your... You know how long it mm. takes people to save, mm. um, to invest? It takes yeah. a long time to earn that money and just a, a small piece of that to go into an investment and then to put it at risk that way, I just think it's crazy. Yeah, we've seen people do that through the tech boom with the bust we've t- to the GFC. We've seen with Bitcoin putting all their money into Bitcoin and got mm. bitten. So that's what we're talking about is specific risk. If you have all your money in one position on specific risk, that's just suicidal. But if you buy mm. two positions, now you've got you've your risk split in half. You've a little bit through. So now it's half. Yeah, okay. okay. Three is now in thirds. Four is when now in quarters. When you say diversify, you're talking about buy diversify across assets though, aren't you, really? No, not necessarily. Even or you're within saying asset to get more classes, and more stocks. Correct. You do diversify okay. across assets between property and shares and yep. everything else. So that's one way of reducing risk, but that's also reducing mm. systemic risk too, yep. because obviously the property market's slightly different than the stock yeah, market. Yeah, the timing of those curves is slightly different. Yeah, so mm. if, you, if you buy four stocks, your risk is 25% of losing all your money in one of those stocks is now 25% of your to- total portfolio, but if you're in five stocks, it's now 20%. Mm. So that's what we're talking about in terms of specific risk and what you need to be doing. Now, most people we, could yeah. buy five stocks or find five mm. stocks, couldn't they? Well, yeah, they can. And Most it's, people it's, could find 10 if they really wanted to. I don't want to get over confident on that one, do you? So, but in the past, we've talked about position sizing, like we're just mentioning there, and, and suggested why should, you should never invest more than 20% of your capital in any one trade. So the rule for traders is depending on your knowledge and experience to hold between five and eight stocks in your portfolio. Now, now, why is, do you want to go into why or are you more interested well, in Well, with traders, you're the... looking at, with a trader, you want to go for more growth generally and mm. you're more active and you're actively managing it. And it's about time. The more time and activity you're having in managing your portfolio, you can afford to be more concentrated in the portfolio mm. that you've got. But if you want to, you know... But we're not saying specifically that that's what somebody should do because no. they could go out a little bit more than no, that. No, they could have 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 stocks if that's what they want to do. But it's just managing that specific risk. When you've got more specific risk, you've got to spend more time managing that risk. And this is another big area that people don't do, especially mm. when they're looking at leverage markets like FX and things like that. Yep. They have no idea the specific risk they're taking and what they're doing. And when it blows up on them, they go, well, and they tend to blame somebody else. Mm. Whereas that's really where that lack of knowledge and experience really, really, really does kick them. But um, but what we need to do is look at looking the, at the risk diversification curve. Okay, you can do this one then. <laughs> um, you will see. I was just waiting for an opening, but <laughs> I didn't quite get it. Sorry. You will see that if you hold one stock, your risk's very high. Now this is fascinating. This curve. However, as you enter more trades, the risk falls and balances out. So once you have more than twelve stocks, you start to take on more and more systemic risk, which isn't good. So our rule for traders is have your position size set. So you hold no less than five stocks. So that's the absolute limit. So I'm not necessarily saying to stay on the, you know, the absolute limit or the edge. Um, But now whilst you may not hold five stocks all of the time, as you may only hold two stocks, however, you will have cash in your bank available for another three positions or four or up to the eight, as Dale was talking about. Yeah, I know some people go, oh, okay, I can't find any device. I'll put all my money in these two stocks. Mm. High risk, really high risk. You're better off keeping money in the bank. But the other thing is too, this is one of my big bugbears and you know that this gets me going. Okay, can I go and get a chair and put my feet up? (laughs) 
So I'm not going to talk that long. Okay. <laughs> um, it's really about the fact that so many people, because you have, mm. you may have a broken mm. account. So you, you know, people have got a, a Comsec account yep. or a, a NAB, As they wh- do. with one, one of the major banks or with the private company, whatever Anybody, company it is. Just any broker. Anyway, they all show you the return based on the stocks in your portfolio. They, do. they don't include the cash, which if you've decided you're going to run a portfolio, you, you don't just go out and buy stocks and start trading and say, oh, gee, I've Dale, I'm doing pretty well. I've made 50% on those stocks because it is an allocation of cash and shares. And at times, like Dale was saying, you might only have two stocks, but then you might have up to five, eight, 10, 12, depending on how you're structuring your portfolio. And so therefore, you mm. can't all of a sudden ignore the cash that you had sitting and parked on the bench for six months because you weren't actually actively working that cash to get it into the market or you your strategy. Because mm. um, with our strategy, we're quite conservative in that at times we might have a reasonable portion of cash sitting in the portfolio. And at times, Times of the year we might be fully invested. Other times of the year we might only have so you, one or two. So what you're saying shares. is people manipulate but the figures to make themselves do. look good. But you've got to consider the whole yeah. portfolio. So this is why when you sit down at the start, you actually say, okay, I'm going to invest a hundred. So if you invested, you know, fifty thousand dollars or a hundred thousand, two hundred, whatever mm. it is, with us, we're investing the full amount, including the cash and the shares, and that's that's how you actually run it. Cool. All right. So you've just heard so, it all from Janine, and you better shut up now. Okay. Otherwise, we're here till Christmas. <laughs> so, but here's two more critical rules: if you lack knowledge and experience, you should always err on the conservative side and hold mm-hmm. more trades, such as eight to twelve stocks. And the second is that you must use stop losses. If you do not use a stop loss, then you need to hold more positions to limit the downside mm. on your portfolio. Because it's balancing, really important. Well, it is, and we always talk about that, and that's one thing we're going to bring up on another show is what that is doing to people's portfolios and how it kills mm. it um, by, by not doing this properly and, and hitting that downside or getting that downside hits. Now, balancing out a portfolio risk is the first thing that Janine and I always do before we start to look at what stocks we might put into a portfolio. Uh, and so if you're confident you can actively manage specific risk, and I'll say that again, if you're confident you can actively manage your specific risk, not passive like, oh, well, I think I might do this, you need to have your stop losses, then you can have a more concentrated portfolio and in doing so you reduce your costs. You'll also reduce your time to manage those trades and you'll get a lot more profitability on that. Now, the downside to this is that if you are not confident and fail to manage your specific risk properly, you'll achieve the exact opposite of what you desire. Think about that for a minute. Now, I think it's time that we got back to the chat and have some more stocks. All right, so you're off your soapbox for a little while. Okay, yeah. So (laughs) manage your specific risk and learn about that. And as I said, you know, looking at stop losses, making sure you exit stocks and you're managing those position sizes properly because the stocks will fall in line if you do your rest right. Now I have to tell you to hurry up. Okay, I'll hurry up. Okay, Okay, let's The producer's in my ear saying, Dale, shut up and keep going. Okay. (laughs) So we've now got stocks here. We've got, look at Cherie's looking in um, NEA, NEMAP or NAN. Um, do you want to bring I've that to- up? Yep, okay, I've so been told. So you can type if you like that. Thank you. Yeah, we've got a very <laughs> nasty producer tonight. So, um, But we've got um, a couple of questions here while you're doing that. Um, um, hi, everybody uh, from Smoke and Joe. says, hi, everybody. Which do you prefer in picking stocks, fundamental analysis or technical analysis? Thank you. Technical analysis all the way. Um, as we've said before, that's probably 90% of our analysis is technical, um, answer to that question. So let's get into Cherie, and I'll find her, what she says here. Okay, near map, um, that's what we're looking at? Yeah, I'll just find her comment. 
somewhere. Huge pullback from the high. I'll get started anyway and just giving a bit of a rundown. So you can see there we've got a 45 or 40-odd percent decline from the high. Yeah. Um, it's actually fallen. The, the all-time high was above $4. And now look at it. It's just yeah. around – it went to two forty. Uh, so it almost—it's not half of its value, but it—but it's almost there. And these don't ever think that a stock's just going to continue to rise. Eventually, no. it's the cards will just fall, and it's going to come. She's got four stocks, and she's looking for medium term and one okay. and one or two shorter term, like NEA or NAN. Yep. So that's a no. Okay, let's N-E- go to this NAN. This is NEA. That's NEA. Let's go to NAN. Okay. So is this the wrong stock? Is it? I don't know. I've said NEA and NAN. NAN we've NAN's already done. It's already, already, already Nanasonics. Done. That's the one we did. Oh, we already did that one. And so we gave it a tick. It. We liked it. We gave it a tick. So there you go. So okay. from that point of view. Um, when you're looking at your portfolio with four stocks, I wouldn't go in for two shorter trading stocks. You need to put a few more stocks in it if it's more a longer term because you're looking for long, medium to longer term. So Yeah, so I it would be, be your that. four stocks plus allocation mm. of six mm. positions of cash that are sitting there and you haven't invested yet. Or like Dale talks about in his book, yep. you try to get to five stocks um, with small positions yep. first and then mm. build your sixth, build up those, um, start building up the other positions and then try to get to eight cool. or 10, 12 right. stocks. Let's keep moving on. We've got Ross right. B. He's on tonight again. Hi, Ross. Good to see you back again. I didn't. Have, I think we've missed him for a couple of weeks, haven't we? Okay, he's asking You've about ResMed. You've been controlling it last week. He's asking about ResMed. Focus. So we'll go to ResMed. <laughs> Um, I don't own it as yet. It has moved up strongly for the last two years and pulled back recently from a high. Should I wait for a move back above its high? So we'll have a look at a bit about that. Okay, Ross. Now looking at this, you can see here, nice trend up. And yes, it probably would have, um, we probably would have been able to get a trend line up underneath that. So it's trading below the trend line at the moment. Yeah. So it may have given, it just depends on what your rules were. Um, it's looking a little bit bearish, but I wouldn't say um, particularly bearish overall. And it hasn't really pulled back much from the high. So look, I mean, it depends on what your rules are, but there are a couple of rules there to get out at the moment. Yeah, but he's looking to get in and waiting, saying, wait, do I wait for it to go to th- through the all-time high? And the answer is it hasn't stopped falling yet, we believe. That's right, yeah. So, so it's gone below a trend line. And look, tre- that's why trend lines are so important, because if yeah. the stock's trading below it, it means the trend's been broken and therefore the stock could continue to fall further. So why would you take the highest risk point yeah. to enter? Um, yeah, we uh, we've got a we've got ABC family looking at BGA, so you BGA? can have a look at that. Um, ben Edwards asked about Nearmap as well. We covered that, Ben. So good on you, matey. Hope you picked that up already. Um, Pika cheese is interesting. We've talked about this. Hmm. I'm not sure exactly when, but we have covered this about two or three weeks um, ago previously. And you can see those tops there. Really bearish, um, bearish scenario for this particular stock. So it's it's hmm. fallen. Like where I'd expect it to fall, which would have been at least to that level around $4.50. That's what the analysis will tell you. However, there's also the potential for it to continue to fall more because yeah. it's taken out this low. So um, there are also other levels that I've got on this stock down here. Right now, it's actually trading sideways. It may find support. Let's look at the weekly just to see what's happening short term. It's so come off that better. bottom. So it is looking a little bit better, potentially a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, but if it starts trading down again, mm. really strongly below that four dollar mark, then I'd say that it's going to—it hasn't quite finished. But right, so let's have a look at AWC. We've got a gentleman called Akram. AWC. His thoughts on SLR and AWC, but we did SLR last week, didn't we? 
So he can have a watch of that show. Yeah, I, I think won't. that's a good idea. So go let's back go and have a look Illumina. at what we said because it probably hasn't changed a great deal. Nah. Illumina is quite a volatile stock. At the moment, it's, I really like this stock. Uh, right now, it's been trading sideways and it's come back to test support at around this $2.15 mark. So, you know, this was always a potential to happen. People look at this move up, say, say the week ending... Uh, September, 13th of September, there would have been a lot of um, noise mm. in the market around that time. And then, you know, people see the stock, yeah. it's risen, they think, oh, now's the time to get in. But mm. you would have jumped the gun mm. too soon, obviously, because since then, yeah. let's have a look at how far it's actually come back. We can see there it's already fallen 10.5%. So people would be sitting in a loss if they went in and, and bought on that exuberance that occurred at around $2.50 mm. and they'd be sitting here. But look, there is strong support for it around these levels where it's just where it's trading. It'd really need to start getting um, a move on and trade back above about 240 mm. before I'd say it's It's amazing on its way how many again. people trade false rallies. Yeah. thinking it's a new trend and we hear these comments all the time as, you know, on berry stock. People go, it's been up for two weeks, it's been up for four mm. weeks, you know, it's been up for four days or four minutes and they go, wow, it's a new, new trend. That's not a trend. Yep. And unless you understand what trends are, you're going to get it wrong more times than you're going to get it right. And that's why your portfolios are performing poorly. And again, uh, just to, to really hammer the point we talked about last week, that's what is costing you a lot, a lot of money because you don't understand trends. That's not an uptrend to me, and this stock doesn't look good mm. right now. Now, it may start to look good, but it's that FOMO that mm -hmm. people have, that fear of missing out. Oh, it's moved up for four weeks. i got to get into this because it, it's going to keep moving up. And this whole fear of missing out causes so many people to get killed on their portfolios mm. and get really average returns. And you need to have solid rules around buying and selling. And so that's really where well, we just keep seeing this, don't we? Every and time. Mm, all mm -hmm. the time. So let's keep going. We've got all right, we've got another Dale. Oh, okay. I've never seen two Dales on our chat forum, let alone one. Other okay, than so me. What, what is Dale talking this about? This one's another Dale, Dale Norris. So, hey, Dale, great great to hear you. Obviously, good looking dude like me. I reckon they're typing in that their name's Dale, so just you'll so see they, it. So and that you I might can, pick them. That's a good trick, isn't it? Okay, so he says, hey, Dale, even though ISX. Who's the I, real Dale? Oh, I am. Um, this guy's got a cute frog as an icon. But anyway, let's type in <laughs> ISX. Um, is currently suspended. Um, would love to hear where you stand on this. Also, I'd love to hear about PLS and your professional thoughts on these would be great. Um, something that's suspended, there's not really much we can talk about really um, from that point of view. Obviously, it's suspended from trading. I haven't read the reports. I've got no idea. Have you yeah. heard of anything that's going on with that stock? No, it's not a stock that we would be following. It's a, Well, look at it. It's a lot more speculative stock. When, when did it go into trading hold? Uh, you can see we've got no data after, what's the date there? The like, 4th of October, week ending the 4th of October. Yeah, so that's a week ago. Yeah. So, yeah, so there's not much data, so it's in a suspension. I once had a guy that was emailing me who'd read my book who had a stock that was in suspension for like eight months. Right. And he was, he was, living, on, he was, he was living on hope that it would open up and it would go up. Mm. And, he was, and another stock he had was falling heavily. It was down 90. I think it was down 50% when he started emailing me and he knew he should have sold it. And then he emailed me again, it was down further. And by the third mm. email, it was down 90%. And the stock was still in a trading halt for eight months. But right. there's nothing you can do right now, matey. There's zero you can do until it opens up because they're waiting for news to happen to open it up. And then once Just that out happens, of interest, though, let's have a look at it. Because mm. if we look at from that high there, that month, shouldn't have been in that anyway. week, sorry, which was the week ending the 13th mm. of September, is when it actually fell 42%. Mm. 
So that was from the high down to the the close, the low, it actually went 50%. So there there was a sign that there was something wrong Mm. right then and there, but people Mm. would have been hanging on because it had gone up. Because it all that way. gone up, yeah. I'd love to be able to tell you what was going on and give you some hope, but Actually, I really Actually, there, there's a couple of reasons to exit there, so... Mm. Yeah, mm. but that's just having some rules around it. But I understand why you're worried about it, because some people, when there's a trading halt, people treat it straight away as negative, and it may not be negative. It might be some company, offshore companies, looking to buy it at a really good price, and all of a sudden it shoots up. That can happen, and both Janine and yeah, I Yeah, because seen we've that. seen stocks get traded mm. down, and... Mm. You know, I think I mentioned it in one of the other mm. um, discussions that we had, whether it was last week or a week, the yeah. week before, is that what is happening is a big question mark. So why Correct. is it that these stocks get sold down and then the announcement comes out? Um, you know, you and I can read between the lines. What's your on conspiracy theories again? Mm-hmm. Okay, we're not getting under. It's those. not conspiracy. It's actually fact. Unfortunately, <laughs> have a look cool. at some of the American shows on on um, stock markets. We've got like a seventeen-year-old on 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 tonight. So Norbertel. His Who name's Norbert. He's a seventeen-year-old. He said, "How would wow, I like to fantastic. start investing?" Congratulations on getting yeah. in on the right foot. He said, "I'm seventeen. Would like to start investing. What should I do? Please help." And then I think one of the guys said, "Buy my book." So okay. that's a great start for you. Buy my book. Yep. Keep watching the show, matey, and go back and watch a lot of the other shows, and really, really help you. But uh, seventeen, you'll be retired by your thirty. No <laughs> problems at all if you do the right things. Um, let's keep moving on. The next stock we've got, so we've done that one. Um, Francis, Franc- Francois, sorry. Um, oh, he's got Norbertos. Obviously, he's answering somebody else. Um, he's uh, telling to register for the stock trading game. Daniel K is asking about Z1P. Now, I talked about Z1P and Afterpay in my um, report this week, actually, because we've got um, Latitude Financial. Do you want to talk about floating. it? No, you can talk about about it. Um, okay. But I'll just finish the question. Um, whether Z1P would be worth buying into or if that opportunity has been missed, cheers uh, okay. from Daniel. From my perspective, I think it's I missed. Think, yeah, that's an easy answer. That's so easy. is that all we have to cover on it? I suppose so. But um, okay. yeah, it is missed. But yeah, a lot of people think, you know, we're talking about Z1P. We've talked about Afterpay today. Mm-hmm. Um, on my market report, I was talking about Latitude that's Financial. That's available on the YouTube yeah, that's, on, that's that's Monday's stock market report on yep. YouTube, so you go and watch that. So um, whilst I didn't go into the charts of Z1P and Afterpay, I did talk about Latitude because it is floating and it's a payments, it's a loan company, so mm-hmm. providing loans. And they've been around, they used, used to be GE Money. Yep. Um, they're heavily backed and people would be speculating whether they would do the same thing as Z1P. Z1P's up 800% in the last two years and mm-hmm. Afterpay's over... 200%, I think, okay. in the last two years. So so good memory for an old bloke like me. Is this going to hey? be like a tech bubble? Well, it won't be like a tech bubble, but I think, to me, my mind is Latitude is a better go from a float mm-hmm. because it's been trading for years. It yeah. actually formed, uh, this is going to set you back, isn't it? When I was in Westpac, back when I was a very young boy, there was a company that owned, was owned by Westpac called AGL. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's morphed slowly into latitude. Right. So that's how long this company or iterations of this company has been trading. So whilst I'm not suggesting latitude's going to do six or hundred percent or four hundred percent, I'm just definitely not going to do that. Um, but I did say in my report that I thought it was overvalued at the float, the price that they're asking slightly. Yep. And today they came out and said they've reduced the price a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, which was nice. But I did think it was a tiny little bit high. But watch out for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying buy floats because we don't buy floats. For a whole, That's a whole different story. Whole different story. But Actually, let's have we could a, do a segment on that. What happens after the floats? Yeah, we could do that. So let's have a look at that. So let's keep moving on. So we've done Z1P. Wow, lots of questions. Bloody hell. 
Um, Shane's on board. Dan, have you got a stock for me? I will have in a second. So Dan Kroger said, hi, guys. I've only just started investing. Um, well done, Dan. Good decision. My portfolio is doing quite well. However, LVT, so L for Lima, V for Victor, T for Tom, has limited my success. Should I continue to back Levit live titles, live tiles, or cut my losses? So um, I'm not sure what you're doing, how many stocks you've got, everything else about Actually, your portfolio. I don't think we need to say anything. Too much. Like, you know, really, because terrible. just look at it. Um, it's not going. It's not going anywhere. It's going down at the mm. moment, and there's a potential. Whenever a stock's going down strongly, mm. it increases the probability of a further decline. So, you know, mm. it may find support where it currently is. However, it's not a stock that I would ever look to buy, and I don't think you would either, would you? No, I would never buy this one either. But uh, to me, it's, it shows mm. you what one stock can do to a portfolio if you don't balance your portfolio Did he properly. say where he got it or not? No, he doesn't even say how many stocks he owns okay. and what the other stocks are. So it's are. down 58% from the high. Yeah, so that shows you really why you need to be using a stop loss. So get my book. It'll tell you what you do and everything else. Um, okay. And it would have got you out of that a long way back and you probably wouldn't have bought it in the first place. So let's have a quick look at what else we've got because as I said we've got a lot of, lot of little questions here. Um, we've got Bython said, after reading your book I've established a 300,000 portfolio with 10 stocks. Well done, that's great. Um, 50 ASX 50 blue chips, 80 percent um, 80 buy and hold stocks and 20% trading stocks. Is this balance appropriate to achieve? 35k income. Look, I, that, that's why roughly. Why buy and hold? Like, you well, know, that's the question that I'd be saying. That was my question. Mm. Why buy and hold? You should be actively managing them because if they come down, they'll like this stock. Portfolio. Like, yeah, like this um, live titles has dev devastated this uh, young guy's portfolio. You're going to, if you don't manage your stocks properly and you don't limit your downside, you're going to really struggle to get that 35k but it is quite possible as we showed you last week you're looking at about 10 percent. we showed you last week how you could do double that just by using some good rules around that so not not an issue to us wouldn't buy and hold um, but you've done all right position sizing in that 10 stocks i think that's fantastic that you've actually done just that. remember the banks you mm. know fell mm. all together and wiped out the whole market if you've oh, got yeah. two or three stocks in there big ones that come back 20 or 30%, then what's that going to do? Just cast a few scenarios, get a, an Excel spreadsheet if you can use Excel and then just work that out so you can see what your risk really is by doing that. Holy moly, there's so many. Somebody's talking about AMP. Yeah, stay out of AMP, guys. If you haven't heard us say stay out of AMP up till now, stay out of AMP. Um, right now it doesn't look good. But last stock we'll look at is for Warren, PPS. Um, he said, hi, Dale and Janine, please give me your view on PPS. Okay, now, Premium um, is another stock that's been sold down. And there was actually some good news that came out about them not long ago. But even mm -hmm. so, the share price might have risen off the bottom. But it's a long way from that top um, back here in September 2018. Mm. So still 54% down from that high. Um, it may be the end of an overall decline, this, this low in June 2019. But at the, this point in time, how could anyone be certain of that given uh, what it's doing? But look, there's short-term resistance here. Now, what the temptation is for a lot of people is to try to pick, a, pick stocks at bottoms. And what we say is to either wait for the trend to be confirmed or use a trend line um, to look for an opportunity. Now, a stock like this has got enough history to do some back testing on it on the monthly or weekly chart. And we can see here that there's resistance short-term around that 56 cent level. So Looking at that, if it gets above that level, it could continue to rise quite strongly, but 
even historically, you can see on the monthly chart that that level's pretty strong. Yeah. So right now it's looking good. I mean, it's improving, um, but I would just be, you know, saying that it could hit its head here again. And if it doesn't, then, you know, potential upside is somewhere around the 74 cent mark. Yep. Short term. Okay. Um, right. Just to sort of finish up, I've got a thing from Ben Young on saying about an email about Cochlear. I don't remember getting that, mate. I answer all my emails um, from people. Um, so I don't remember getting it. We've had a lot of questions here, guys. So if you haven't had your questions answered or your stocks looked at, then I'm sorry, we just can't get to them all. It's just, even if we sat here just doing stocks for the whole hour, we wouldn't get to them all. So, um, but it's about learning and education, not just telling you what we think of stocks. But uh, if you like the show, you're sitting here and you're watching the show and obviously you like it, otherwise you wouldn't be sitting here watching it. Make sure you hit that like button. Uh, remember it takes nothing and also you need to subscribe to the channel I know we get over 2,000 views of these uh, this channel uh, all this video that we're doing live and um, over the next few days and I know more than half of you don't subscribe to the channel so you just hit that big red button that says subscribe because when you're doing that it costs you absolutely nothing but it means a hell of a lot to Janine and I um, and helps us you know gives us a little bit of a pat on the back for the work we do to do this for you but it also helps other people find the channel and, and tells you YouTube that you do like what we're doing here and you'd like to see more of it. So please, right now, hit the big red button, hit the like button um, so that helps everybody and we can all have a great uh, show every single week because there's so much Janine and I want to do with this show and, and expand on it, but we can't. Right now, we're a little bit limited in what we're doing, but with your support, we can take it to a whole new level again. Um, but that really does bring us to the end of the show, doesn't it, really? It does. I've had a good time, Janine. I think it's been fantastic. Thank you for your great questions. Um, you, you just come back with some really interesting ones mm. every week to keep us going. Well, they do. Some of them keep you on the toes and then start your conspiracy theories. So <laughs> please, geez. <laughs> but uh, but I hope we, as I said, we do hope you've enjoyed tonight's show and, and thanks for participating there. As I said, there's been a lot of questions here. But remember to share it on your social media with your friends too. Hit that share button, you know, into Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, you name it, whatever you got. So the more people that join the show, the more we can share with you and the more we can do. So And we all learn and that's fantastic. Now put the show on the calendar because we're back next Tuesday at 7pm. Make sure that you're here, um, same time, same place. If you cannot be with us live next week, we're always happy to receive your questions. So send them to info at wealthwithin.com.au and just type Wealth Within Live in the subject line. Well, that does bring us to the end of the show. And again, we hope you really enjoyed it as much as we have in bringing it to you. So always thanks for taking part. We'll see you next Tuesday at 7pm. But for now, goodbye. Good luck and good trading. Have a good night. Bye for now. Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Wealth Within, a global leader in stock market education. For more information on our courses or to listen to more Talking Wealth podcasts, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Talking Wealth podcast under the Learning Centre.